Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in lovely upstate South Carolina. I'm your host, Stan McCune, as always, realtor right here in Greenville, South Carolina, and you can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any reason, but particularly for your real estate needs here in the Greenville area of South Carolina. I'm your guy. Contact information is in the show notes. Uh, So please let me know if you need any help with real estate buying, selling, investing, owner occupying. Um, I even do my best to help people that are looking to rent, um, even though that's, uh, you know, I don't operate as a property manager, um, but I do my best to just help people with any of their real estate needs, even connecting them with with, uh, uh, sources for hard money, different things like that. I try to help in any way I can. So let me know if I can assist you. Um, And as well, uh, please leave a rating. Please leave a review. Most uh, apps don't allow that, but I know for sure that Apple uh, Podcasts allows for ratings and reviews. I know that Spotify, last I checked, does as well. So please, if you're using either of those apps, go ahead and do that. And for sure, whatever app you're using, please hit the subscribe button to uh, subscribe to the show to make sure that you don't miss future episodes. Today I want to talk about, and and this is uh, a little bit of a variation of another podcast I did a while ago, Um, but this is something I've just been thinking about again that I feel like I want to bring up, and it's real ones versus non-real ones in real estate investing using, uh, you know, the the lingo that the kids use today, real ones. Um, And, uh, you know, I know that that makes me sound old, but that's kind of the point, right? I'm trying to trying to sound old. I had to grow, but while I'm on that topic, I had to basically grow a beard um, to be in real estate because people thought I was like a kid. Uh, They didn't take me seriously enough, so I had to grow facial hair. Um, So uh, anyway, I I don't want to use too much kid lingo in this podcast. Otherwise, people will think that I'm just a kid. Um, But real ones versus non-real ones in real estate investing. And I want to to preface this real quick, okay? Um, I might insult some people with this episode. And I really am not trying to insult people. Um, I I use that term real ones versus non-real ones, not to say that those that fit in the non-real ones category are doing anything wrong. There's a gazillion ways to make money in real estate. And it's totally fine for you to do any of those things, as long as, of course, they are legal and ethical and all of that. But I personally take odds when I see someone that is claiming to be a big real estate investor, but I can tell, I know from for a variety of reasons and from a variety of things that I've seen, that they're not a real one. They're just posing. Um, and I would just prefer that people just be honest. And, and I, I know, I get it. As a realtor... Sometimes you have to fake it till you make it, right? When I first started in real estate almost seven years ago, I had to kind of fake it till I made it. But I did have the real estate investing experience leading into that. So it wasn't like I had to fake that. But there were things about contract law and there were things about, you know, negotiating for another party and understanding, you know, what that looks like. I had to learn a lot in those early years. And I appreciate the people that were willing to risk it with me that saw uh, that I offered something 
that was, uh, you know, from my past experience, they saw my work ethic, they saw my ability to do real estate investments and, and to negotiate good deals and whatnot, that they were willing to take those risks. But I did have to take my lumps early on on like multiple different things. Um, and so I totally get it for those in real estate investing that are trying to fake it till they make it. I'm not trying to trash on anyone like that. But I do think it's helpful because some people out there are trying to make money uh, in alternate things. Uh, it, they're trying to, let me say it a different way. They're trying to take money from new investors, people that are trying to learn about real estate investing. They're trying to take their money to educate them or to assist them in some way. But these people themselves that are claiming to be the experts are not experts. And I think that it's it's important for any of my clients or any of my potential future clients or just listeners that are just listening in that I've never met before, that I never will meet, um, I think it's helpful to think about this from the standpoint of who are the real ones, who are not the real ones, so that you don't get ripped off. Because I can assure you, there are a lot of people out there looking to rip you off. And this is not necessarily a Greenville-specific podcast. Almost always, I preface my podcast that, hey, these things are Greenville-specific. No, this is actually a rare instance of a podcast where I think that this can probably apply to pretty much anywhere in the U.S., because I see this happening in, in more areas than just Greenville. Um, and so I just want to make sure that if you're a new or prospective real estate investor, that you don't get ripped off by some of these non-real ones. And if you're a person that after you listen to this, you're like, hey, he called me out. He's saying that I'm not a real one. My advice to you would be to just reassess and just think, hey, am I not being completely forthright? Is what I'm doing truly ethical? Should I change some of what I'm doing, um, how I'm presenting myself, et cetera, et cetera? It is totally fine to be a small-time investor. Like When I tell people that I am a real estate investor, I am more than happy to let them know that I am a small-time real estate investor. I don't have 200 doors. But you know what? What I have and what I have done over the years, I've either done by myself or with a very small group of people. I'm not doing real estate investing deals with large groups of people. And I think that that's an important caveat is that a lot of people that are that say, you know, well, I have 200 doors. Very few of them actually have 200 doors just themselves. Usually they have 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 other investors um, that are owning those doors with them. So when you take the actual, like when you divide the number of doors by the number of, of investors, like the actual equity, the actual uh, stake that, that they end up having per door, you know, it might come out to five to 10 doors that, that they really have on a percentage basis or on an equity basis, um, if you want to look at it that way. Um, there is nothing wrong, again, there's nothing wrong with any of this. I just want to make sure that we are all on the same page and that we're able to identify who these different people are so that we're not confused as to 
uh, you know, when we see someone out there that's like, okay, you know, hey, I, this person, he's really, you know, shaking things up. He's really, you know, taking names, getting out there, going crazy, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Mm, a lot of the times they're not. A lot of the times the people that you've heard of that are doing a lot of crazy stuff, really they're just doing very basic things. Uh, but they want you to believe that they're doing crazy things. They want you to believe that they're that they're going crazy. You know what? On my social media, I intentionally do not uh, post a lot about what I'm doing in real estate investing. There's a reason for that. It's because my primary job is to be a realtor. The real estate investing, that comes on the side. Again, does that mean I'm not a real estate investor? No. But I'm doing that stuff on the side, so I'm not going to advertise that type of thing. That would then pull away from my brand as a realtor. I know a realtor in the Greenville area uh, that has really started focusing her uh, her brand and started focusing like all of her social media on her real estate investing. Uh, to me, when I see that, I think, okay, are you actually a realtor anymore or are you just an investor? Um, I want to make sure that you guys know and that anyone that follows me on social media at Stan McCune, pretty much any platform that you're using. Um, and if you go on Twitter, you'll find uh, that it's primarily sports and politics that I'm dealing with on Twitter. So I, I don't necessarily recommend that unless you're into those things. Um, but at Stan McCune on the other platforms, you can feel free to, to connect with me there. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, I want to make sure that that anyone that's following me, that you guys know that me as a realtor, that comes first. That is first and foremost. And I'm not just saying that. It is first and foremost with my time. It is first and foremost with my resources. I do not have a real estate investing marketing budget. Um, and uh, and I think that that is you know, a, a major dividing line. Um, and this isn't on my list, but I'm just going to mention this. Um, there is a big difference between a real estate investor that has a marketing budget and a real estate investor that doesn't, okay? A real estate investor that doesn't is going to be a more small-time investor. That is just the way it is. Now, again, I'm. this is a separate conversation from the real ones versus non-real ones, so I want to make sure just because you're a small-time real estate investor doesn't mean that you're not a real one. It just means, it just means you're small-time. Again, that's how I would classify myself. Um, but the, all the big time real estate investors, they have a marketing budget. Why? Because they're not getting, uh, they're not sourcing their deals on market. They're pretty much sourcing everything off market. They're finding motivated sellers and they're purchasing directly from those motivated sellers with minimal due diligence period. Um, and, uh, you know, with, uh, oftentimes a large team that's helping them source these deals. Um, so there are, all sorts of, of different categories, and I, I don't want to make anyone feel like they are a lesser real estate investor at the end of the day, but I do take odds with people, and and particularly people that are trying to take money from others that, in my opinion, are not a real one in the investing world, or that are pretending to be a large investor, a big time, you know, uh, high volume investor, let's say that, um, when really they're just a small time investor. So let's jump into it. With all of that, I apologize for going through all of that, but I truly, 
think I might insult some people even with that caveat. Um, so, and I really don't want to insult people, but we need to identify a, a few things here. And so let's just jump into it. Um, I only have a few things here, so I don't think that this is going to take very long. Probably that caveat will take just as long as the actual episode itself. Real ones versus non-real ones in real estate investing. Um, how do I identify a non-real one? One of the primary indicators that someone is not a quote-unquote real one in real estate investing, and I guess I should like clearly define that. I, I've kind of skirted around it, but my clear definition is this is someone who is pretending to be something that they are not in order to get something out of someone else, okay? That is what makes them not a real one. They are pretending to be more of a real estate investor than they really are because they're trying to get something out of someone else, okay, at the end of the day. All right, one of the key indicators is that that they are not a real one is that they focus on their brand. Let me tell you something. The big movers and shakers in Greenville do not focus on their brand with one very key exception, okay? The one very key exception is that uh, if they have a marketing budget, again, as we discussed before, the the large, the, the full-time investors, the large investors, they do have a marketing budget. Uh, they may have a brand for whatever that company is that is doing that marketing. That's, that's a separate thing. If they have a personal brand about themselves, I would say most of the time, I would deem them to not be a real one. I'm sorry if that's offensive to someone listening. Um, but I, I'm not, again, I'm not coming to that conclusion on the basis of so much the people that I see that have personal brands for themselves. Um, I'm coming to that conclusion more on the basis that when I meet people that are doing high volume investing, they never have brands. They never, ever have brands. The ones that do have brands are mostly doing wholesaling. The ones that are doing wholesaling generally don't have the capital to purchase properties themselves. I talked to per- someone recently that just keeps, he. Uh, this person's a wholesaler, he keeps sending me the same deal. He's been sending it to me for like two or three months now. And I just asked him, you know, I, I happened to see him in person. It was just like, so how are you doing, you know, moving that deal you keep sending me? Um, and he was just like, um, yeah, I've got I've got a lot of interest, um, but hasn't hasn't sold yet. I'll probably just buy it myself. And I was just like, I just looked at him and just kind of nodded my head. But I was like, I already knew this dude. He he's not gonna buy it himself. And that's that's the definition of someone that's not a real one. Like he just told me I'm gonna buy it myself. Listen, that was a month ago. No, that was two months ago. He's still sending me this deal. He like. He why hasn't he bought it himself yet, right? If it's such a good deal, if he was told me two months ago he was going to buy it, um, so that's a problem. But anyway, when you see people that are focusing on their personal brand and they are the brand, their face is the brand. Oftentimes, that should be a big, big red flag for you. They are trying to get something. They're trying to build trust with you. Now, again, as a realtor. It's a little bit of a different story, right? Because as a realtor, I am my brand, so I get that. I get there are a lot of there's a uh, one realtor out here um, in the Greenville area 
that he has a uh, you know a whole graphic design that's all about his beard. Hey, more props to you. My beard that I've already referenced once in in this episode, so I don't know why we're coming back to beards, but it's just happening. Um, my beard's not very good. I've got a patchy beard. Um, I'm not proud of that, and I don't know. Maybe I'll do something else with it at some point. But hey, if you're a realtor and you can identify yourself by your beard uh, and put up billboards that just have like the silhouette of your beard, more power to you. But if you're a real estate investor that and that is what you're focusing on, um, that is a red flag for me. Because why do you need to focus on yourself if you're real estate investing? Like literally, the primary thing you're doing is flipping properties or buying rental properties. Like it doesn't matter what you look like. People that are, if anything, I feel like people that you would be marketing to that are um, that are motivated sellers, that are people that you're trying to reach out to to try to get them to sell you their their real estate on the cheap. I think most of those would be more concerned, um, and it would be a red flag for them if you have a big brand because then they would be like, you know, okay, this guy has tons of money. He's got his billboard, his face up everywhere. So that's a big red flag for me. If you focus on your personal brand, you as a person, um, I am starting to wonder and starting to truly lean towards this person, not a real one in real estate investing. The, those that depend, all right, here's my next one. Those that depend 100% on creative financing, not real ones. Um, and by creative financing, I mean subject to, um, which if you don't know what that is, look it up, subject to the mortgage, um, seller financing, things like that. Obviously, there's hard money. Hard money has its place. There's private money. Private money has its place. I'm not really talking about those things. I'm talking about trying to essentially get a deal um, with extremely rare types of creative financing like what I've just mentioned. Um, And there's a reason why the people that are focusing on that, um, why I'm putting them in that not real ones category, what that reveals is that they either um, don't have sources in the private money world that can get them money. They either don't have bank contacts that can get them money. You know, they don't have a, a an established banking relationship that, that can get them money. Or they just don't have money in the bank. Um, and so, essentially, that reveals to me that either uh, they are just cash poor or they're just new at it. And again, neither of those things are, are wrong. If you're able to get a deal with creative financing, you have no money in the bank, that is awesome. More power to you. I support, I have clients that, uh, that have done that. Um, I have done plenty of creative financing over the years myself. There is nothing wrong with that. Um, but if you're depending 100% on that, and again, then you're going out and then broadcasting to people what type of a real estate investor you are, um, that's a red flag for me. You are, uh, you're probably more likely, more you're closer to a rookie than you are to an experienced real estate investor. Because an experienced real estate investor, they have places that they can get money from. They're not having to depend on getting buying a property subject to the mortgage. Now, they might not decline getting a property subject to the mortgage if that's uh, if an opportunity arises and, and that's something that they can do. But they're not going to do every single deal with some kind of wonky creative financing. They don't need to do that. Um my next one, uh, posting before and after photos, uh, and specifically on social media. Now, uh, 
I need to preface this again. I'm not saying that every single person that has ever posted before and after photos that they are not a real one. Uh, there are times when it's like, okay, it makes sense to post before and after. I would say the the times when that makes the most sense is when you're renovating a rental property that you intend to keep for yourself. Um, and listen, have I posted before and after photos? Probably. It's been a very, very long time. Um, and, and so I, I'm not saying that like that's not something that you should never do. Um, and that instantly, as soon as I see that, I'm like, okay, these, these people aren't real ones. Um, but those that continually post before and after photos, again, to me, that is a red flag. And there's a very simple reason for it. People, if the potential buyer of that property, again, if this isn't a rental property, this is a flip. And and I feel differently about this if it's a rental property. Um, although not too much differently for, for various reasons. But if we're talking about a flip and you're posting photos of like a property that has tons of termite damage, all this moisture damage, all sorts of things going on. And you have a potential buyer that comes across that after the property has been renovated and they see all these things that were wrong. Oh, man, you've just and, you know, again, all of these things are, are in theory behind sheetrock now. Um, you've just exposed yourself to a lot of, in my opinion, this isn't legal advice, but potential issues where they might. What if they decide, you know what, man, there was a lot of termite damage in there. I'm going to take down the sheetrock off this wall and see what type of repairs they actually did. And then they do that and they find that the repairs you did were not up to code because you didn't get the work permitted. And then they find, oh, there's more termite damage in here than we could even see in the photos. It just, it doesn't make sense. If you're, why are you posting before and after photos that potentially could get into the wrong hands? Potentially, a realtor could see that that is representing a buyer, and that could cause red flags in their mind. Do not post before and after photos. It does not make sense unless you're unless you are just so excited because you're a newbie, um, and you know you just want people to see like, wow, this was awesome. Um, but if you're doing it for any other reasons, and you're claiming to be an experienced real estate investor, to me. You're, you're not an experienced real estate investor. You're not an experienced flipper. Again, it's a little bit different if you're renting because you don't have the risk of the buyer coming back to you and uh, and getting you in trouble for not doing something correctly. But a potential tenant could go on, could, could find that information as well. And so maybe a relative of the tenant. And so um, you're, there is just so much risk and so little reward from it. What outside of... Uh, just that feel good, that rush of like posting that and getting that affirmation from people. What are you actually benefiting from it from a real estate standpoint? Unless you are trying to uh, get people to use you for something. So I see a lot of contractors do this. You know what? If I had a contractor post before and after photos on a property that they were working on for me, I would not be happy about that. I do not want to see that. I want nothing to do with that. Now, if it's just minor, if we're talking about just, you know, a cosmetic cleanup, okay, I don't have a problem with, with that. Um, but if we're talking about, again, a property that had serious issues and we're posting before and after photos, 
No, absolutely not. That's a sign of somebody, uh, in my opinion, that is is just not a real one. They and and again, people that are doing high volumes of uh, of real estate deals, they have so many of these that they're doing. They don't have time to like pick and choose. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna post before and after photos. I don't have time to to even do that. Um, and if I don't have time to do that, then I know that someone that's doing high volume of real estate investing that they don't have time to do it either. Um, another big red flag in this uh, in this world, whether someone is a real one, is if they become educators. Oh, and this one, I mean, listen, this is I think true well beyond real estate. If you become an educator in your field, you are no longer really doing that thing that you're educating other people on. Let's just be let's just be real about this. Um, maybe you're doing a few flips per year, but if you're focusing on educating people on flips, you're not doing a high volume of flips. If you're focusing on educating people on real estate investing, you're not doing a lot of real estate investing yourself because you you can't be focused on uh, you, you can't be doing a ton of this investing yourself. It takes a lot of time. That's why most people don't do real estate investing besides just not having the capital or not having the risk tolerance. A lot of people just don't have the time for it. It's very time consuming. Um, and educating is very time consuming as well. And so if you're if you're an educator, in my opinion, uh, you're not doing uh, a, a real high volume of the thing that you're educating people on. Maybe you have a team and that team is doing a high a high volume that's possible but again are you actually doing the thing that you're educating people on probably not now do i have respect for people that are educators in the world of real estate investing or really in any world 100% there is nothing harder than to be able to make money in my opinion there's nothing harder than to be able to make money by educating people on how to do something you have to to build your brand, and you have to garner so much respect, and you have to get uh, you know clients through so many different avenues in order to do something like that full time. And again, it's time consuming. You have to produce new, fresh content constantly. That's insanely hard. I have tons and tons of respect if you have been able to get to the point or for whoever has gotten to the point of being an educator in their field. To me, that's like retiring from it. Like if I ever became a real estate investing educator, to me, then I basically retired from real estate investing. And that's awesome, right? Like to be able to, like that's the the American dream in a lot of ways, to be able to kind of retire from what you're doing. Um, it's kind of like, uh, for those of you that have read Tim Ferriss, like the four hour work week, this is kind of, those are kind of some of the concepts that he talks about. And one of the primary ways that people have actually taken the four hour work week, uh, and, and actually acted on it, the, those that have actually gotten to that point have gotten to that point in the world of educating. And so I have full respect for that. But if you're a real estate investment educator, you're probably not a true high volume real estate investor, um, I'm going to assume that you're probably not a real one. Sorry. Um, and, and this is my last point. I actually got to be somewhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, causing this podcast is going on and, uh, causing me to potentially run late to a meeting. Um, but if you're focusing on organizing networking events, then odds are that you're not a real one. Listen, the people that are 
like major real estate investors, they might attend networking events, but they don't have the time to organize networking events. Maybe once a year. Like they might, there might be an out of state investor that comes into Greenville and is like, you know, every now and then when they come in, they're like, hey, I want to have a networking event to see my team or, or to see, you know, some of the people that I've been working with. That's a, that's a different, that's a completely different thing. Okay. But the people that are like on a monthly basis organizing networking events and like that's a big part of their shtick. Um, listen, the the full time, big big money, high volume real estate investors, they don't have time for that. They're going to other people's networking events. Um, and so if you see someone that that's a big part of their focus, to me that's that's a red flag. That to me indicates that they're probably not a real one, and that's something just to uh, just to keep in mind. Um, here's a freebie. I didn't write this one down, but if they're super active on bigger pockets, if you see someone that is super active, and I've posted a few things on bigger pockets, real estate investing website, blog, community, social network, whatever you want to call it, um, I posted a, a, a few things on there, but I don't have time to to be constantly posting stuff on there. That's that is a website for new investors. If you see someone posting a ton of stuff on there, they're posting that either because they are a new investor or because they're trying to attract new investors to their content. Think, ask yourself the question, why? Why are they doing that? Why are they trying to uh, reach out to uh, new rookie types of investors? And you can apply that to, again, any of people's contents. Think about who are they trying to reach with this content? They're posting before and after photos. Why? Why are they posting that? Who are they trying to reach with that? They have a personal brand. Why? Why do they have a personal brand? How do they benefit as a real estate investor from having a personal brand? Think about this. And again, kudos to those that are that are building a personal brand, that are uh, building a, a business, educating people on real estate investing, that are making a lot of money through networking, that are doing a small volume of deals through creative financing. Um, uh, all of these different things that we've discussed, none of them are wrong. I don't have a problem with any of them in and of themselves. But if you are taking money from new real estate investors or misportraying yourself to people that don't know any better, that's where I have a problem. Um, I don't think I'm going to have too many of my listeners that are going to fall into that category. I don't think I'm going to have a ton that are going to be offended by this because I think most of the people that are listening are um, either the, the legit real estate investors that don't fit any of these categories or they're more of the, the newer investor types. Of course, we I've got a lot of non-investors that listen to the show as well. Um, but those that are doing real estate investing, I think the vast majority listening to the show will not be offended because you'll just be like, yeah, none of that is me anyway. Um, and that's great. Um, so for you, just be on the lookout for this stuff because this stuff can it can be tricky. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of glitz and glamour in the real estate investing world. And let me tell you, not everything that glitters is gold when it comes to real estate investing. So be on the lookout for these types of people. Make sure that you don't give them money unless you've done a lot of investigating into what they're actually doing. All right, guys, I appreciate. You listening, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you weren't offended. 
Um, if you were, let me know. I'm happy to have a discussion with you about that or any of your real estate needs. All of my contact information is in the show notes. See that nice little transition there. Rate, review, subscribe to the show. We'll talk again next week.